WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 36, all about The Window of the West, chapter 5, book 4 of The Two Towers, being the 36th part of That's What I'm Talking About. 36th is a hard word to say. 36th. 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 Hello, my name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Buddy Duquesne of Those Happy Places. Welcome back, Buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, that's me. I'm Buddy Duquesne. I host a show called Those Happy Places about theme parks, rides, and attractions, and we treat them like literature. So we treat them with the same import that we will today be treating the great works of J.R.R. Tolkien. So really excited to be here. Yeah, and you guys also just finished doing your daily podcast, The Joust, which I just started uh, listening to the first couple episodes, and it's really fun. I'm enjoying it. Tell the tell the listeners a little bit about that, too. Yeah, uh, The Joust is a show that uh, myself and my co-host, Alice White, who is also on Those Happy Places, uh, we decided we were going to do this daily podcast every day in the month of February, because February is the shortest month. So if you're going to do anything for a month, you should do it for, for the month of February. And it's, it's also uh, funny that you said that, but you guys also happened to pick it on a leap year where it was right, one day so, longer. <laughs> not only not only was February longer, but we did an episode zero on January 31st, and we did a wrap party on March 1st. So we ended up doing 31 days of this oh. podcast, which we were such fools, um, but it's really cool. It's a fantasy sports cast from the kingdom of Caliano, which is exactly the size and shape of California. Wow, what a coincidence. Right? Uh, <laughs> and it follows the stories of these four knights that are in this tournament, and uh, I play Buddy of House Duquesne, uh, which is a person that's a bit like me, but not really like me. And Alice plays Alice of House White, which is uh, a character that is a bit like her, but not really like her. And we commentate what happens during the tournament. It was a blast. It was really fun. Very cool. Very cool. So this chapter is chapter five. Oh, also, uh, listeners and buddy, I apologize profusely. I have a bad cold and or allergies. I'm not sure which, but I probably will sound like stuffy and congested. And I will also probably be sniffing and clearing my throat a lot. And I'm probably (laughs) not going to edit all of that out. So (laughs) Apologies in advance. Who who can add it around all of that? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So this chapter, The Window on the West. So I, I feel awful. I feel like a bad podcast host of this podcast because I've been dreading this chapter for a while because I did a really quick flip through a couple weeks ago just to see how long each chapter was. And I specifically remember that this one was... 20 pages, which is a lot longer than the 10 to 15 pages the rest of these chapters have been. So I was dreading it for that, but also because, y'all, I really do not like this book right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? What happened? I do not like Sam. I do not like Frodo. I do not like Gollum. And I'm really glad Faramir is here. I will say that. Like... (laughs) I'm so thankful Faramir is here for at least like a change of pace. And like, I really, really hope that it gets better. But I'm telling myself that like, this is just the really annoying, like angsty part 
of like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix that you have yes, to trudge this, through in order to get to like the rest of the good stuff. This has some book five vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me let me see if I can help because I I loved this chapter and I I loved like returning to it and this this moment in the story and all of the psychology that's happening here and yes I love Faramir but I love Frodo in this chapter and I actually kind of love Sam in this chapter so so I'm excited about all of it <laughs> I'm not well, excited I'm just... about Gollum in this chapter yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> who thankfully isn't really there. Like, as he's, usual, he's, he's just kind of skulking in the background. <laughs> but yeah, thankfully, he's not there. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm glad that you're excited because I think it would just be, it wouldn't be a good episode if I had on someone who like also hated this chapter because then it would just be an hour of us just being sad about it. So I'm glad that you are able to show your enthusiasm for this part of the story. Yes, definitely. And I think I think I'm also being helped by the fact that I remember this scene in the film and the scene in the film is is quite good and a lot like this scene. Um but it doesn't have quite the depth of internal monologue. So oh my gosh. reading <laughs> the internal <laughs> right, well, it never monologues. Does, does it? Uh, but but reading it and having an idea of what's happening in these characters' heads and why they're saying what they're saying, instead of just having to like read the faces of the actors, uh, has really kind of opened up this interaction for me. And now I'm like, S Frodo is a genius. He's such a great diplomat. And Faramir, he has so much more going on than you think he does. And, and even Sam... Despite the fact that I, I think Tolkien's doing Sam a little dirty in this chapter, because <laughs> he's like, well, I might just be a simple gardener, sir. Uh, and there's a lot of that. And and they, they keep saying that Sam is simple and not as smart as Frodo. And like that really hurts my feelings for poor Sam. Um, but I, I do actually like some of what Sam manages to pull off in terms of being a great companion to Frodo and standing up for himself. Uh, against Faramir especially and it's just so bold of him and so admirable so I'm I'm stoked for it that's good I'm glad one of us can be excited <laughs> so this chapter picks up so where we la I always feel like I'm like a old-timey radio drama series host like in the 50s where it's like where we last left our heroes they were and Anyway, so where we last left our heroes, they were about to go to sleep. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> and Faramir's two guards, I don't even remember their names. It was like Dunlop and Sadrak. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who can remember these things? Okay, Mablung and Damrod, which was not far off, I think, from what I said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they had told Sam, they're like, oh, Faramir's definitely not just going to, like, let you guys go off on your own. He needs to talk with you guys about whatever you're doing here. And that's what Sam wakes up to. Except for he wakes up to, like, I think it's, like, hundred, yeah, two or three hundred men who were fighting in this army or in this battle are... All standing around watching Frodo and Faramir talk. And Sam notes that it's almost like someone is on trial. And I'm like, that's just like a really disorienting thing to wake up to. To like wake <laughs> up and then turn around and there's like 200 people 
staring at your friend and their captain having a conversation. Right. And it it's not just a conversation. It's like an interrogation. Like, oh, yeah. Faramir's like, what are you doing here? Who are and, you? Yeah. And that's the tricky part about a lot of this chapter is... Frodo does not want to reveal that they are that they have the ring and like he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about it at all. He's assuming that they don't even know what this thing is. He doesn't want to, to reveal their mission in case there is some um like foul play going on right. where it could put the ring in danger or put them in danger somehow. So it's really hard for him to be like to explain why they've gone on this long journey without providing the reason. Because if you think about it from Faramir's perspective, it's two hobbits out in the middle of nowhere for no reason at all. That makes zero sense. And then also, like, they were friends with your brother, who is dead. Like, right. This that's, is... that's a big drop in the middle of this chapter. Right yeah, here. I gasp. But okay, so we'll get to that in a second. But yes, Faramir is asking him what... What's up with this? What are you doing? And I was like, you know what? Good on you, Faramir, for asking the questions that need to be asked and not just blindly trusting random people you come across in the woods. There should be more characters in works of fiction that are like Faramir, where they go on like full on interrogations, basically, when they come across new people. Right. And, And Faramir is a reasonable guy being asked to do a very unreasonable thing, which is defend Gondor with ever dwindling resources against a basically infinite enemy right so he's he's on this this like patrol that has him and his men fighting almost constantly they're all these barden uh, battle-hardened uh ranger types but they're not rangers that is a important distinction but they're they're all like sneaking through the forest and they're basically robin hood and his merry men but an organized army as well, which is amazing. Uh, I, I love Faramir and his gang for that. Um, but, you know, he doesn't know what halflings are, he admits later in the chapter. Yeah, like he, none like, of these people that they that they come across on this journey know what hobbits are. And I, I think no. that's so funny because like, at least in my mind, I imagine that like everyone else that the hobbits meet knows so much more than the hobbits do. But they never seem to know that the hobbits are real things and not just these things from stories. Right. And and that that's great for the story for like two reasons, because like reason number one, it leaves the hobbits like isolated and they're this like pure idyllic idea of what what simple folk can be like. But also it lets char- characters explain things to them. So yes. like <laughs> I can't believe we're this deep into Lord of the Rings and Faramir is like, maybe, you know him. He has many names. And then he names off like the nine names of Gandalf. Yeah. And it's like, no, we know Gandalf. We know who we know <laughs> but, that old geezer. But he wouldn't do that to an elf. He wouldn't do that to another man. He he has to do it to hobbits. He has to kind of talk down at them. Uh and then we get these long descriptions of history and stuff to go along with it. 
Yeah. There's like so much backstory and, and everything in this chapter that he that he goes into like unprompted. Oh yeah. <laughs> but what yeah, we'll get there when we get there. So yeah, so they're telling him Frodo is kind of half telling where they were and who they were with and what their uh purpose is. And uh also I should mention that at this point so we, the reader, know that Boromir is dead. Frodo and right. Sam do not. And at right. this point, we also, th- at the start of the chapter, we also think that Faramir does not know Boromir is dead, right. um, which we find out later he does know. Anyway, so <laughs> so they're talking about all of this and they talk about how when Gandalf died, Frodo named Aragorn the leader. And I just thought it was funny because Faramir said, why not Boromir? And I was like, oh, for so many Buddy. reasons. <laughs> For so many reasons is why it was not Boromir, but he doesn't know. Also, sorry, I'm just realizing that like the last time you were on the podcast, I think we had just met Boromir. And yes, Bor- we, we were on the Council of Elrond uh, episode. You so. should know that I've had a full range of emotions regarding Boromir <laughs> since you were last on. And I, I bet that this chapter made it a little more complicated even. Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was mostly just like, wow, Faramir's the best. And Faramir Boromir is the is good not. one. Boromir is garbage, but also nice, but garbage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah. So Far- Faramir's a good brother. He holds Boromir up in this high regard. And he, I left at this too. He asks Frodo if he was a friend of Boromir. And... <laughs> says, vividly before Frodo's mind came the memory of Boromir's assault upon him. For a moment, he hesitated. So I love this picture of them, of Faramir talking to Frodo, and it's a really intense conversation, and all these people are watching. He's like, so, were you a friend of Boromir? And then there's just like, uh... And then like a, yeah! <laughs> we yeah, were, like, uh, yeah. companions. <laughs> I knew him well. It's like, you... <laughs> You could say that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we were the best friends. I mean, okay, so so Boromir, you know, he falls into temptation and he's very quickly punished in the story for it. What you say? But what I love about Faramir in this scene is that he doesn't react to anything the way you think he might or should. And upon finding out that there was a falling out... I mean, he he takes it quite well. He's like, oh, my brother. I mean, well, when he admits that Boromir's his brother, that's a huge reveal. Yeah. (laughs) But when he's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, Boromir, yeah, he used to really love fighting and he loved his own glory and stuff like that. So you could see where there there were these uh these seeds, even with people that he knew before he joined the fellowship. Yeah. Where he was like, "Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he's a great guy, but sometimes he's a little, you know needlessly arrogant or uh a little a little too a little too obsessed with fighting later on faramir described him as often rash and ever anxious and i was like that's accurate yeah yeah (laughs) and and that's boromir i mean and that's that's the sort of thing that only a brother could say about a brother or at least a very good friend right yeah yeah and i still loved him for it is like a whole part of what he's saying there so so that's great and i think what's what's also great is that frodo is not gonna say anything bad about boromir even before faramir is like oh that was my brother 
he's like, oh, I'm not going to speak ill of him. These are men of Gondor. He, Boromir was a prince. Like, yeah. Oh, Boromir, great guy. Never betrayed Loved me. Loved him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we definitely didn't have a weird falling out that was the catalyst for me leaving our group. Yeah, definitely yeah, didn't no, happen. Never happened. <laughs> so then this is where Faramir reveals that Boromir is dead because he's saying like, oh, so you're a friend. So then that must mean you're very sad to learn that he's dead. And Frodo's like, yeah, we would be sad that he's dead if he was dead. And then he's like, wait a minute, he's dead? How <laughs> that did that take. happen? <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost a spit take from Frodo, the way it's delivered. He's like, of course, I would be so sad. He's dead? Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, yeah. This is, even though Frodo and Boromir's last interaction was um, not the best, to put it lightly. Right. It's definitely still a very startling thing for them to learn because they're also wondering, like, well, if he's dead, they kind of, like, go down this rabbit hole of, like, well, if he's dead, then surely that means that everyone else is dead. And right. Boromir wouldn't be the only one to die. Like, yeah, definitely. Sure, That's surely not, they all died. Yeah, it's not what happened at all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, of course, we the readers know that everyone is alive except for Boromir. Right. But it, it does affect Frodo and Sam pretty deeply. Like they spend a lot of this chapter being like, I can't believe everybody else. All seven of them. Yeah. They're all dead, huh? Yeah, wow. they're like, wow. Oh who would have thought? It's that once again, it's that Paul Rudd meme of like, wow, look at us. Who would have thought? Look at us. Hey. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah, they think that they're like the sole survivors now of the fellowship. LOL. Little do they know. But that's great for this chapter too, because now Frodo's like, I am the only one in charge of the ring. Like, yeah. Aragorn's not in charge anymore. I was like lying to myself a little bit about somebody else had responsibility. And now Frodo's completely isolated in this. And, like, he doesn't really trust Sam to be in charge. Uh, maybe rightfully so. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> like, I get, to, I get to choose who knows what about this. And I have to play my cards very close to my chest. And anything I say has to serve the mission starting yeah. now. It's funny you say that because there are a lot of things that Sam says in this chapter that do not serve the mission. <laughs> he's such a... He's in, so bumbling so, in this. Case in point, so they're talking about Boromir's death and Faramir's trying to like figure out what happened because from Faramir's perspective, all they know is that Boromir showed up dead in a boat. And maybe and it was a it. dream and maybe it wasn't and yeah. nobody stopped the boat yeah, to find Yeah, Frodo tries out. to like gaslight him and it's like, oh, it was a dream because surely everyone else in our group was dead. So who could could have put him in a book anyway so they're talking they're trying to like piece together what could have happened and Frodo of course doesn't really want to reveal that Boromir had tried to like cross him and take the ring and went all evil for a minute and then Sam jumps in and says if you think my master murdered this Boromir and then ran away you've got no sense and I'm like Sam literally <laughs> Sam, no please. one was suggesting that <laughs> No, it's like, oh, I see what's happening here. You think I murdered Boromir. It's like, well, I mean, I do now. <laughs> right. You put that in his head. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Sam Sam is, his, his temper definitely gets the better of him. First his temper... Then his, I guess he just gets too comfy later in the in the chapter. He's just he's just too comfy around these guys, and he just he just drinks a little and starts talking, and he lets it slip that they have the One Ring. And Frodo's like, "What? 
yeah. all that work. <laughs> and even Sam is like, oh, no. He has like a yeah. Hagrid moment. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I should that. not have said that. <laughs> and he, he does. And then he stands up and he's like, you know what? If you want to kill us and take the ring, you're going to have to go through me. I warn you, I'm a gardener. Like, watch out. <laughs> Which is great for Sam there, too. These dumb hobbits. So throughout this conversation slash interrogation, this is when we learned that Faramir is Boromir's brother. And I legitimately, <gasps> I legitimately gasped. I was like, oh, my God, they're brothers? Which I should Isn't have known. Great? Th- their names are Boromir and Faramir. It should have. That's like pretty connected so yeah i mean to be fair though how many of tolkien's characters have similar sounding names and no relation i mean this is also true (laughs) the dude has has naming conventions that he just ignores but boromir and faramir i mean that one's obvious unless you've been reading his books and then you're like oh there's just two guys named mir whatever yeah so I was like, oh my god, no, Faramir, you're not related. You can't be related to Boromir. <laughs> please don't be, please don't be related to Boromir. But throughout this chapter, I was like, oh, I see. Faramir got like the rational genes and the level-headed genes and the thinking clearly strategic thinking genes in the family and Boromir got like I'm gonna go fight with my sword and blow my horn and I'm gonna win this battle <laughs> yeah definitely and and Faramir is definitely okay I'm gonna go out on a limb here this is this is my big thesis statement for this episode <laughs> not to spoil too much but you and I both know that that Aragorn is the de facto protagonist right what like, like, I mean I mean like He's he is the true king, oh, and everybody I, knows it. So there was the, there was a Twitter thread that went viral a couple months ago that imagined Lord of the Rings as a D and D campaign, right? And it described the first half of this book as the side quest, and I was like, no. No, the Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Gandalf story is not the side quest. Like, in my mind, that's the main story. Right, that's totally, (laughs) that's totally what, I mean, like, Frodo destroying the ring is kind of almost its own thing. Like, they're they're very separate in terms of grand scale, but I think that's on purpose, right? Because, like, greatness can come from anywhere, and greatness comes from your lineage are, like, both happening in this Tolkien story. So, it's fun. I like it. But, like... Aragorn, let's just say that he's like the Harry Potter of this series, like our our main guy, chosen one, gonna save the world. I believe Faramir is Neville Longbottom. Oh, okay, interesting. I think I think if Aragorn were to fall, Faramir would be the true hero of men, and I have the text here to prove it. I mean, I literally have only known Faramir for like one and a quarter of a chapter, and I believe you wholeheartedly, so... Definitely. Like, you you get the sense maybe that Faramir was always quieter, more uh, careful, a little bit in the background. Um, Maybe he was never as awkward or as clumsy as Neville Longbottom, but being the second brother of not even actually a kingdom because they're like stewards of Gondor, right? They're not the kings of Gondor. Being the second brother has forced him to be a bit more careful, but I believe he has all the qualities of a uniting leader of men. He's just in the wrong place for it. 
And he could be elevated to that. I mean, he shows no desire for the ring when he knows, before he knows it's the one ring, he's like, oh, no, I would never use a weapon of the enemy. Yeah. Like, we could never. And then when he finds out it's the one ring, he's like, nope, same same principle. Like, no way. Would never do that. It yeah. must be destroyed. I will help you however I can. And that's just great. This is, I love this guy. So level-headed, so steady, and just so proud of what he does. And you can tell that his men are the same way. Like, he gathers everybody around to hold this mock trial, if you will. And then when they move together, they all move as one through the forest into their hideout cave, where everybody works together kind of in unison to continue to preserve the safety and secret of the hideout, but also to do everything. And it's just very equal and good. And there's there's this sense of a big important thing happening, but they're in reality just this little band of men doing their best. I find that to be really, really inspiring, actually. Faramir rocks. Uh, yeah. And even finding out that Boromir did a bad thing, he has the chance there to be like, you guys are lying about my brother. You're spreading rumors. Mm-hmm. Boromir was the best. He could do that. He could have the hobbits murdered, kidnapped, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, you guys are right. He was he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And that that's what Frodo and Sam are afraid of throughout this whole chapter and that's why Frodo is hiding this and also kind of also hiding the truth about what happened with Boromir is because they're like if we tell him that we kind of sort of hate his brother and if we tell him about this like powerful ring that his brother was after it's over for us we have to play this super carefully we can't reveal what happened with Boromir because that's the only thing that we've connected over so far. And if we revealed the truth, then who knows what'll happen. Yeah, and it's just so amazing to see Faramir do like the exact opposite of of frankly what like I think he would totally like I wouldn't be like, oh, Faramir's totally in the wrong if he were to you know, accuse accuse them of lying or start, you know, fighting with them or something or even be like, I'm going to kill you after he after they like insult his brother or something. I don't think that would be totally out of line or unexpected. So the fact that he doesn't do anything shows just like once again, it just shows how much grace he has that like Boromir lacked. <laughs> right. Yeah. And And grace is the perfect word for it. I think that watching him and his kind of company there be ruthlessly competent, but also always do the right thing is mm-hmm. like like immensely satisfying as a reader. I mean, like it's really uncomfortable reading from Frodo and Sam's perspective because you feel their anxieties. But when all is revealed and everything still goes well and everybody does exactly the right thing, it's like, ah, that that sense of relief. I don't think, I mean, at this point in the story, things have gone bad and there have been betrayals and bad things have happened often and you can't trust anybody. That's why Frodo and Sam are on their own because they know like anybody could fall to the ring. Yeah. But not, not Faramir. Not Faramir. Good <laughs> not <guy>. my dude. <laughs> oh, good dude. Yes. Yeah, so in their conversation about Boromir and Boromir's death and everything, this is also when Faramir mentions that. Because he talks about, oh, well, we found out because I was 
keeping guard or, or, or whatever one night and all of a sudden a boat drifted over and I was just like, can you imagine that you're on like watch duty or you just go for a walk or whatever on the beach and then a boat floats up and you're like, oh, cool, a boat. Wow, that's a really nice looking boat because it was one of the boats from Lothlorien. So like, yeah. it's a beautiful, fancy elf boat. And then you look inside of it and like, not only is there a dead body in it, but it's your brother. And he is dead. And, like, like you recognize him and insane. he's dressed the way you recognize. I love the conversation about the clothes in this, by the way. Like, I recognized his sword. I recognized his his gear. Like, that was my brother. Like, and then he's like, I, oh, he's yeah, like, also his face. But I didn't face. recognize that gold belt. What's up with <laughs> what that? What was up with and that Fred gold like, belt? Oh, yeah. We also, we had, like, a field trip to Lothlorien and the elves gave us hella gifts it was great everybody go got loot we all powered up it was very good yeah <laughs> um and and yeah and then faramir is like and i was like boromir where are you going and i realized he was full of wounds and i was like this is a weird dream <laughs> like maybe faramir do something like that's his one mistake is don't catch a weird boat with your brother in it. Like, <laughs> come on, Faramir. <laughs> yeah, they also wonder, like, how did this happen? Because it's not like, oh, he died and then, like, just magically drifted into a boat and the boat, you know, floated over to us. Like, someone had to do that. Which is why I can't, like, I don't understand why f at this point Frodo and Sam aren't like, oh, well, then that means that someone from our group must have survived because they would have put Boromir in the boat to send him off to Gondor. But Frodo and Sam right. are still like, yeah, that's weird. But it couldn't have been someone from our group because obviously they're all dead. So right. I don't know, man. Maybe you had a weird dream. And <laughs> Faramir's like, maybe it was a vision. Maybe it was a dream. But I never woke up from it. And I'm yeah. like, Faramir, <laughs> Faramir, you saw your dead brother in a boat. Get the boat, Faramir. And it's like oh. a weird thing to. It's a that's a weird thing to just come across. So I can understand yeah. why you would be like, "This isn't real." <laughs> like this is a life is a computer simulation, and I've woken up, and that's what is happening right now. Like that's what <laughs> would have gone through my mind. Uh, sure. Yeah, and then he also he also asked about the horn. That Boromir supposedly has or did have. Yeah, the Horn of Gondor. Yeah, and it was broken. They, He's like, oh, do you know what happened there? And Frodo says, no, I don't know what happened. And this is when I was like, wow, I can't believe how much happened that Frodo has like zero idea about. There was like yeah. an entire battle with the orcs. Boromir died. For, uh, his best friends, Pippin and Merry, got captured by the orcs and taken off. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas shipped Boromir's body off to Gondor. Then they came across, Ga like, Gandalf is alive. Like, there's all this stuff that he has zero clue about. He's just like, wow, it's so sad that I'm here by myself with this ring. <laughs> I am the only one left, and Sam's still yeah. there in the background being like, I'm here too, but I mean... Yeah, this is going to be a really weird, random reference, so for like maybe the one person out there who understands this, you're great. In the musical Spamalot, <laughs> which is okay. the musical adaptation of Monty Python's Holy Grail, which is a very funny show, it's a very, very funny show. 
I highly recommend it. There are definitely bootlegs of it online. Anyway, there's one number where King Arthur is, it's like he and all of his, his knights have been split up and it's just him and his servant Patsy and he sings this song like, But I'm alone. Oh no, you're not so all alone. I'm here, you twat. And then his servant walks up and like just stands next to him the entire time he's singing this song. And he's just like, what the heck? I'm I'm literally right here. Right. And and everybody spends this whole chapter being like, shut up, Sam. You don't know what you're talking about. You're out of your element. And Sam's like, OK, I guess. But what's great about Sam is that if he were like not Sam, he would shut up. But he's Sam. So he doesn't. So you can't ignore that he's there. Oh, Sam. So after this long interrogation, Faramir decides that, okay, these guys are at least okay in my books for now. You can come with me. We're going to go to our cool secret hideout. And as they're walking, they're talking about, like, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but there's a lot, because we got on the, we got on the call and I was like, I'm so sorry that you have to come on for this, like, long chapter where not that much happens. And you were like, yeah, there's a lot of walking and talking. (laughs) And like, that's what this is. So Faramir, he's like, so I can kind of figure that based on like context clues, you probably weren't the best of friends with Boromir. And I'm assuming that you didn't exactly leave on good terms. And this is one of those moments where it's kind of like a little bit nerve wracking for them because they're like, uh, I mean, yes, that's accurate, but please don't kill us or abandon <laughs> us in the woods. It's just like Faramir knows a lot more than he lets on. And he is, he's great. They also, he also mentions, is this when it goes into, they talk a lot about Isildur's Bane and this poem. And then he mentions the Grey Pilgrim. And I was like, oh, the Grey Pilgrim. Who is that? What? And then he reads off a bunch of other names. And it's Gandalf. Good old Gandalf. It's Gandalf. Um, I just like that. I just like how the Gondor, Gondorians, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, the Gondorians. Uh, I like how their nickname for him is the Grey Pilgrim. Um, yeah, but of course Faramir always calls him Mithrandir because Faramir is just such a fancy he's very lad, fancy. right? Yeah, like, he's like, we're going to speak proper English here, kids. We are not going to call... He is not Gandalf. It's Mithrandir. And he, once again, Faramir is like a lot smarter than he seems because when Frodo says, oh, Gandalf is dead, he says, are you sure of this? And that he did not just leave you and depart where he would. And I'm like, Faramir knows where it's at. He knows Gandalf better than I think where, any of them. Because he's like... With Gandalf, nothing is straightforward. Yeah. Like, are like, you sure about that? There's something else going on here. I'm pretty sure about that. Oh, just love that. That's a great little moment. And I really like uh, when he's naming off, because I think he's like quoting Gandalf. He's like, ah, yes, I remember he used yeah, to Yeah, it goes into go italics. Like, like he's and, reading and, off of a poem or something. And as for the East, I don't go there. So nobody there knows me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it like, says, um, yeah, many are my names in many countries. Mithrandir among the elves. So it's not even that like Faramir is calling him by like his original Gondor name or anything. He's calling him what the elves call him. 
The very yeah. fancy. Um, very th- fancy. Thar- Tharkoon, sure, let's go with that, to the dwarves. Aloran, I was in my youth in the west, that is forgotten. In the south, Icanus. In the north, Gandalf. To the east, I go not. Uh, I don't go there, so. <laughs> yeah. So they keep talking about Isildur's Bane because Faramir noticed that in their first conversation, that Frodo kind of like shied away from that part of the conversation and was like, I'm going to avoid talking about that because obviously we know that's the ring. And this is when, again, Faramir knows a lot. And he said, he's like, I heard a rumor that uh, says that Isildur took somewhat from the hand of the unnamed ere he went away from Gondor, never to be seen among mortal men. And he says, here, I thought, was the answer to Mithrandir's questioning. And then later on, did I think of Isildur's Bane as being the same thing? So he's, like, connecting the piece. He's like, I heard this rumor that he took something from Sauron. And I think that that thing is Isildur's Bane. And Frodo's probably, like, holding the ring in his pocket, like, huh, that's weird. What a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely not that. Huh, what a weird yeah, rumor. Yeah, it's a it's a big, scary weapon. Vague, though. Vague weapon. And it's not a ring, let me tell you. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not a ring. <laughs> oh, and then also, this is where we get uh, the description of Boromir that I think is super accurate. It says, I can well believe that Boromir, the proud and fearless, often rash, ever anxious for the victory of Minas Tirith. So I'm like, yep, that's him. <laughs> that's yeah. boring. And, and it, it explains perfectly, like, yes, proud, fearless, admirable qualities, but also maybe looking for an easy way to win when there shouldn't be one. Yeah. So they end this part of the conversation by Faramir asking if he can join them and help them. And then Frodo doesn't answer him, and they continue on their walk. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, well, Frodo's like, okay. I, he really wants to say yes. Mm-hmm. He knows he can't, or he thinks he can't because he's the last one left. A- accepting help at this point, you know, could lead to the same problem that the Fellowship had. And if there's too many people, the secret's bound to get out and they're bound to get noticed. So he, he just like, there's that part of him. I think it's right there in the text where he's like, oh man, my heart of hearts. I love what this guy is saying. He is saying all the right things. He's a nice guy. We can trust him. He could help us. And then he's like, better not. Yeah, maybe not. It's a little bit too soon. <laughs> right. We've no we've only known this guy for like a couple hours. Let's let's <laughs> let's know him for at least a couple more before we bring him on board. Oh, also, throughout this chapter, I was like, where is Gollum. <laughs> Where is he? And then Sam turns, he gets a feeling that, hmm, I feel like someone's watching us or following us. And he kind of looks behind them and sees a small dark shape slipping behind a tree trunk. So Gal- Gal- Gollum, what? Gollum. Gollum. <laughs> is following pretty close behind. Uh, so that answered that question. I was like, I was like, are we Forgetting the fact that, like, Gollum is our only way into Mordor at this point, and you guys just left him behind. I was like, I'm sure that he'll follow anyway, but, like, let's think about this a bit. Right. And, like, the one shrewd move that Sam makes is be like, well, if they forgot about him, like, 
I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. And that's like really smart on Sam's part because if they stop that whole line of guys and then like capture and maybe kill Gollum, it's over. It's kind of like when um, you were in school and the teacher forgets to collect the homework. Collect the homework, yes. And you don't want to be that kid to be like, hey, forgot to collect our homework because then you know everyone's going to hate you. It's like, okay, if I'm not going to bring it up, you're not going to bring it up. What's great about that that metaphor is that Sam doesn't even like Gollum, and he, this is his chance to get rid of him, but he's like, ah, no, nah, I can't ruin it. Like, I can't. Yeah. He's like, it's so, too good right now. We have it pretty good. So then they reach the part where they need to be blindfolded so that they can have the way into their like hideout hidden Faramir's like hey we're gonna we need to blindfold you and Frodo's like eh it's not the first time (laughs) and so (laughs) they're blindfolded I've seen my share of secret layers guys come on (laughs) yeah I just like it's (laughs) it's just all these reminders that like the hobbits are almost kind of like children because they're being let it says that they blindfolded them then quickly they took each one by the hand and went on their way so they're like walking holding hands and then there are some points where like the terrain is really uneven or rough and the hobbits can't go on and they were lifted from their feet for a while and then set down again (laughs) so uh, I really like Faramir's instructions to his men, like, hey, these are my honored guests, blindfold them nicely, don't tie their hands, I trust them a little. Heck, you could even ask them to close their eyes, but, you know, everybody opens their eyes when they stumble, so we can't let that happen. Yeah. Like, just a funny little moment of, like, how careful he wants this treatment to be. He's like, you're getting the royal treatment here by being gently blindfolded only. (laughs) (laughs) so then the blindfolds are removed and it says and this is where i will need your help in a second because i'm confused and i have questions so okay they stood on a wet floor of polished stone the doorstep as it were of a rough hewn gate of rock opening dark behind them but in front a thin veil of water was hung so near that frodo could have put an outstretched arm into it it faced westward The level shafts of the setting sun behind beat upon it, and the red light was broken into many flickering beams of ever-changing color. It was as if they stood at the window of some elven tower, curtained with threaded jewels of silver and gold and ruby and sapphire and amethyst, all kindled with an unconsuming fire. So, that was a lot of words for a location that I don't understand. Okay. I was like, are they are they on a mountain? Are they <laughs> at a waterfall? Are they on a tower? A castle? I was very confused about where they were. I am lucky because I have the imagery of the film. Yeah, uh, to, that's to what attach, I was hoping for. To attach my imagination to. So uh, it is a waterfall. So the that's what the curtain of water is. Okay. Uh, and they're in kind of a an inlet that's kind of like a crack behind the waterfall. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I was yeah. like, is it like a cave like behind, hidden behind a waterfall? Yeah, almost exactly. So so right behind there is this long cavern, and then later Faramir is like, yeah, these caverns, you know, they're kind of man-made by like an older civilization. It's dry in here. Isn't that amazing? Anyways... The waterfall comes off of it, makes it really cool. The only way out is uh, through that one entrance or the window. (laughs) 
Yeah, they come in and he's like, this is our safe place for now. Rest. Uh, however, bear in mind that the only ways out are the way that we just took you, which you were blindfolded for, and through the window curtain into a deep bowl filled with knives of stone. Knives of stone. And he's like, okay, good night. Have a good rest. <laughs> yeah, that was... As usual, this is a little bit of a a tonal confusing thing because we know Faramir is ultimately good, but here's yet another moment where you're like, can we really trust him? Oh yeah, because that sounds a bit like a threat. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was like, is he threatening to like throw them out into this like pit full of spikes? Like, (laughs) what is happening here? You're right. It is very confusing, like tone tonally speaking. I will say, not to not to spoil the next chapter or anything, but this is Chekhov's knife rocks. Oh, geez. So, okay. I mean, they're, they're not there for no reason. See, that's better than I was worried. I'm very angry about Oliphants because to me it was introduced in, as like such a non sequitur and having like zero to do with the plot or anything at all. And then I was like, oh my god, I swear to god, if these Oliphants are the Chekhov's gun of Lord of the Rings and they're gonna show up at the end in like the big battle scene, like Frodo is about to die at the hands of Sauron, and then all of a sudden Sauron is crushed by an elephant foot. I was like, if that's how this series ends, I will scream and I I just hope it's not. So I'm fine with the Chekhov's pit full of spikes. That's that's <laughs> fine by my books. So as they are sleeping, or Frodo falls asleep immediately, which is pretty standard for him. Uh, Sam pretends like he's sleeping. So because one, he doesn't really trust everyone around him. And two, he wants to kind of spy and listen on their conversations to try and gain whatever information he can. And there's one person who comes up who is on like watch duty. And he says that he saw something a little strange. And I was like, oh, it's Gollum. And then, yep. sure enough, I love this description. <laughs> it says, It was a black squirrel, and I saw no tail. Twas like a shadow on the ground, and it whisked behind a tree trunk when I drew nigh. I thought I heard the thing hiss at me from above as I turned away. A large squirrel, maybe. And I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> Just like Smeagol probably a is big a large squirrel. squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't see a tail, but you know how big things get in like Mirkwood or whatever. It's probably just one of those. Yeah, it's just a large, creepy, hissing squirrel. That's I mean, horrible. it hissed at me, but I thought, you know, better not do anything about it. <laughs> and fa- yeah, and Faramir says like, tis an ill omen, which yeah, is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so just These like, guys are not prepared for Gollum. So just another reminder that Gollum is not far from where they are. So then they sit down to eat food. They are such hobbits at this feast. It says, neither Frodo nor Sam refused anything that was offered, nor a second, nor indeed a third helping. Oh my gosh. Such hobbits. Uh, I really like the description of how the tables got set up too. Like they just, they were light tables that came off the walls and like everything just converted to mealtime. And that was just, that was a fun little detail they they threw in. It wasn't like, ah, they went to a nicely appointed dining hall. It's like, no, every space is multi-use in this cave. Yeah. I also like how they're all assembling and gathering together again after there was this big battle. Faramir's like the dad who's like, no matter what happens, we sit down each day to have dinner together as a family. 
It's like, oh yeah, I I killed like 20 people. It was crazy. Also, I got my hand chopped off by an orc. Isn't that nuts? Anyway, can you pass the bread? Yeah, whatever. Dinner, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have it. (laughs) And there, there is that really good solemn moment where they all turn towards Gondor and have that moment of silence. Yes. Like, yeah. They are not forgetting what they're out there to do, even as they fight and die and suffer, which is, wow. Like, that's a that's a great moment. Inferno and Sam are, like, they're good guests because at first they're, like, they're kind of like, wait, what's happening? Because everyone, like, stood up and turned in one direction and was quiet, and they're like, what's going on? And Faramir is like, is this not your custom? And they're like, no, but it is our custom since we are your guests. And so they, they're they nice guests and they do that. That's great. So after the meal, they once again start talking. Faramir's like, okay, so I've only heard a couple like mentions of Gandalf died in Moria. You guys went to Lothlorien. My brother died at some point. Let's talk about your journey and what's happened. Because <laughs> it sounds right. like it's a wild ride. and. Right. Frodo tells this and talks about what's happened. As they're talking about Moria and how Boromir fought and and stuff like that, Faramir says, maybe it would have been better had Boromir fallen there with Mithrandir. And then I like this. Frodo says, maybe, but tell me of your own fortunes. (laughs) He's like, yeah, maybe it would have been better if, if he had died then. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, enough yeah, about me. Yeah, because couldn't have let us down. Yeah, yikes. Bit of a yikes. Yeah. <laughs> then Faramir goes into, because Frodo is like, but we've talked all about us. Tell us about you and your land and your people. And Faramir tells him everything. There is yeah. like a solid two pages of, of history of Gondor and Rohan and this like alliance partnership that they forged over the years and all this stuff and like I'm just this so much information it's so much more than any of us asked for yeah and and to to be honest being mostly a movie fan this whole thing about how Rohan was you know there were these wilder men from elsewhere that they formed this pact with and then ceded some lands to. And now they have this really close special relationship as two different peoples, but like they're one and they're all from the same line. Like it's cool, but like it, it does come out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's important because Rohan and Gondor are the oldest of allies and they should be there for each other. And they haven't been lately. And, and I think Faramir knows that. And talking about Rohan and good light kind of sets him up for more of that later. I was going to say, I feel like Aragorn and Faramir are two really good guys and how, and how they teamed up with the Theoden. That's his name. Yeah. Who's the other guy? Aomer. That's his name. Like there's a lot of good people now from Rohan that we've met. And like Aragorn's been with it. Like, I feel like once Aragorn and Faramir meet, it's going to be like, a match made in heaven and they're gonna join they're gonna like put their rings together like they're in the <laughs> like justice league Fire! wind water heart go play 
Okay. By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. And it's going to be like the best alliance ever. And then they're going to go to battle and it's going to be amazing and beautiful. Honestly, getting the the good guys who know what they're doing together and fixing the problems yeah. is like it, it would be such a satisfying conclusion. I don't know if that's going to happen exactly how you think. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> so, but, but like... It, that's, you can I mean, see that's how always it could. the trick. You just got to get the good guys that know what they're doing in the same room. That's the key. That's, <laughs> that's the real the key. key. And watching them not be in the same room is like torture. It's crazy. Yeah. So they talk about Galadriel and oh, yeah. Lorien. And Faramir describes her as perilously fair. And I was like, that's an amazing phrase. I love yeah. that. And it's like, very good. again, Faramir showing that he is very smart and very aware because Sam is like, what do you mean perilous? And it's like, he's like, are you kidding me? Galadriel is like full of dangerous potential. She could kill every last one of us easily. But she's also fair. So yeah. And I love, <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's a, it's a great phrase. And Sam is like, I... I, I got to defend her, though. Like, uh, yeah. nobody's going to talk down about oh, my Galadriel. Oh, it's a good thing Gimli isn't there because he would have, right. like, killed Faramir. <laughs> he would have been like, how dare you? That's my girlfriend. <laughs> so Sam is like, I'm bad at poetry. I wish I could do a song about her. Yeah. And then he tries, and it's bad. Uh, and you're like, oh, Sam. Oh, Sam, no. And Faramir kind of gives him a knowing look and is like, yeah, she must be great. <laughs> Yeah, sounds If it. those are the words you use, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they are kind of getting to the towards the end of their story and their journey. And Sam is like in the middle of saying talking about like what Boromir did when he was in the presence of the ring, and he was like, Now Bora and then he stops and uh, Faramir is like, Boromir what? <laughs> And this is when the truth comes out. Right. That Boromir tried to take the ring from Frodo and he was overcome with this evil temptation and turned bad for a hot second, like right before he died. Frodo's mad at Sam and is like, Sam, what? (laughs) How could you? How could you ruin this for us? Sam says, save me. (laughs) And then he, yeah, and then he's like, oh, there I go. There I go again. Whenever you open your big mouth, you put your foot in it. The gaffer used to say to me and right enough. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Sam. (laughs) Yeah, Sam. Jeez. And this was when I realized that to me, Sam is like the child in a group of when you're watching like a zombie apocalypse survival movie. Sam is the kid that has that everyone has to make sure survives and doesn't get killed, but they all hate him. And I'm like, <laughs> Sam, Sam, is, for people who watch The Walking Dead, Sam is Carl to me. Carl! That's funny. Which is a very big <laughs> insult, by the way. Cause yes, uh, I, can, I can hear the venom dripping. <laughs> for people who don't watch The Walking, aren't familiar with The Walking Dead, Carl's like notoriously one of the most hated characters, even though he's the son of the main character. And it's Because like, Sam's always going and getting himself in trouble that he doesn't need to be It's in. like, how could you hate an 11-year-old boy in this and it's like because he causes so much like needless trouble and and distress for the group and like right now 
right now I'm getting some real hard Carl vibes from Sam. And I'm like, <laughs> Carl. Carl! Carl! But very luckily for them, yeah. Faramir is real chill with it. Yeah. He's like, oh, the one ring. Wow. Really, you two? Who would have thought? Not me. Well, you guys have a big responsibility. Anyways, good night. Yeah, and he's also kind of like, because he's dropped all, like we've mentioned, he's dropped all of these hints about when he's talking about Boromir that he's very aware that Boromir isn't exactly the greatest. So when they bring up that Boromir was overcome by temptation for the ring... He's not really surprised. He's no. like, yeah, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> and he once again has a moment to be like, yeah, that's like a really hard thing to have to avoid and not give into. My brother was a he was a strong man, so that temptation must have been really strong if he gave into it, but I'm not going to ever and i he's like i know it's easier said than done but i'm never gonna give into that desire for this ring and that's when that's when faramir goes from hey you're a pretty chill dude to wow faramir you are the best person in middle earth like go you (laughs) he's great he's very self-aware like he understands like he's saying he's saying all these things about like oh i would never give into that ring and because he's he's very aware of the fact that you can talk all you want about like oh no I would be a brave soldier and I would do this and I would do that but he knows that there are a lot of things that you encounter in life that you simply like can't prepare for and oh I'm wise enough to know that there are some perils from which a man must flee so he's doesn't give like Boromir a hard time because he knows that like it's it's reasonable that something like this could have happened. And he knows that some things are beyond him, you know, uh, for all of his strength. There are just some things he won't be able to do. That he can't control, right. And he is blown away that the hobbits are going to do it. Yeah, he says, I marvel at you to keep it hit. Oh, this is also kind of... So he says, I marvel at you to keep it hid and not to use it. And it's like, well... Uh, but yeah, he's very just once surprised. In a while, he's very surprised that they have this very like mighty, powerful, evil ring. And he's like, "Really, you children?" He's like, "Up until you know five hours ago, I thought halflings were fictional creatures in children's stories, yeah. and here you are in front of me with Isildur's bane, and you're not evil people." And you're not yeah. using it for evil. That's that's insane. Then Frodo, this is when he says, like, well, our plan right now is to go into Mordor and destroy this ring somehow. And kind of, like, really sadly, and he says, I do not think I shall ever get there. And then he, at one point, he was, like, so overcome with what they were talking about. Oh, it was be- it was when Sam revealed that they had the ring. He was, like, yeah. petrified and terrified. And so, like, all that adrenaline kind of has worn off. And he's also exhausted. So he just kind of, like, collapses over and Faramir catches him and then, like, and puts him into bed. And is like, good night, <laughs> little hobbit. And as usual, we have a chapter ending on falling asleep. <laughs> Yes, it's a very, Tolkien ends a lot of chapters that way. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the next chapter picks up with, they wake up. They wake up, yeah. (laughs) 
So do you have any uh, any final thoughts or uh, about that chapter or anything we didn't get to talk about or mention? I just hope that by talking about how great like this little cat and mouse game that Frodo and Faramir play and talking about how great we think Faramir is that now this chapter is a little less walk and talk and a little more like, yeah, this kind of rocked. On your end. I, yeah. like, I, I hope I saved it a little. You definitely hyped up Faramir a lot and made me see, <laughs> like, I was already in the camp of, like, because I had this notion just based off of, like, there have been some people who are joining the Facebook group, and one of the questions is, what is your favorite character? A lot of people have said Faramir, and so just, like, things like that that I've gleaned off from the fandom to be like, oh, Faramir's a good guy. So I've already had that impression going into this, but, like, hearing you talk about him, like, he could be the next king of Gondor if Gondor had a king. Gondor needs no king. We know this. (laughs) It's just so funny to me that, like... I hated Boromir so much, <laughs> and I really <laughs> like Faramir a lot. Yeah, and and they, they feel in many ways like two sides of the same coin. Like, mm-hmm. Faramir is just a hair's breadth away from Boromir, but it's those little differences that turn those same qualities into something truly admirable instead of kind of the jerk that you, you know, yeah. tolerate because he's powerful, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I do have to say, though, that... If I wasn't doing the podcast, I feel like this would... Like, if I was just reading the books on my own time, I feel like I would stop here. I feel like I wouldn't... I might not have even read this chapter. Wow. Yeah. Especially, especially the point where Faramir was just going on and on about the history of Gondor and Rohan. Okay, yeah, you can skip those pages. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was getting endless. And I was like, I... uh, I was like, I'm forging on because... I know that this gets better. And also, I'm a little worried now because I'm holding Return of the King up in my head as being, like, the coolest book in the world and being this, like, epic conclusion to this thrilling trilogy, even though it's not a trilogy. It's one book. I know. I know. But, like, (laughs) so I'm now I'm kind of worried that Return of the King isn't going to be as good as I'm hoping it is. But I'm, like, these... People wouldn't have, like, Lord of the Rings wouldn't have such a legacy if it didn't get better from here. So. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing, keep like, that knowledge and then also the fact that I have to do a podcast on it <laughs> is what's <laughs> keeping me going. You have made this commitment. Now you must see it through. I know. Yeah, it is true. I'm like, well, I mean, I am more than halfway through. So, like, I might as well just keep going, but... You've got to take this ring all the way to Mordor. This is true, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, I'll put it this way. If I was Frodo at this point, I would give the ring to Faramir and be like, you deal with this, I'm done. (laughs) You cannot offer me such a thing, Frodo. That, no way. Well, yeah, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Buddy, what would you like to share with our audience? Okay, so we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but I do, wow, uh, I actually do four podcasts now with my best friend and co-host, Alice White. Wow, that's Uh, amazing. I don't think I knew that you guys had so many projects going on. Yeah, uh, you know, it all started with Those Happy Places, which is the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. And that's our, like, 
our main show and it, it really is like the special one for us like we take that show very very seriously you can listen to that at uh thosehappyplaces.com or anywhere the podcasts are found so just type it into your podcatcher we'll, we'll we're out there and then we did the joust which is now over but there might be more joust content coming along very soon so you can listen to that at the joustpodcast.com and I am very pleased to announce on this podcast that I am helping Alice revive an old podcast of hers that kind of took an extended unintended hiatus and that podcast is called Rogue Fun a podcast story which is all about the Star Wars film Rogue One a Star Wars story and we do that we do that movie one scene at a time once a month so the next episode is coming out in march this month and we are starting from where the podcast left off so i am the new co-host of that very exciting and i've also got a podcast called giving the gift of murder uh and that (laughs) is a show about creating a extremely elaborate murder mystery party for a friend of mine that contacted me and was like I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but I need you to do something for me. I want to die on my own birthday at this murder (laughs) mystery party. And I was like, okay. Uh, So I am the spooky ghost butler uh, host of that, along with my other co-host, Sarah Starling. And that one is a lot of fun, and we're just really starting to ramp that one up. So again, it's called Giving the Gift of Murder, and wow... That's a lot of podcasts, but that's I'm very amazing. proud of all of them. No, that's yeah. all such fun stuff. Um, I will, listeners, check the description. I will make sure to leave links to all of that there. And then also, what is something that you as a Lord of the Rings fan would recommend to other Lord of the Rings fans, whether it's a TV show, a movie, a book, and it doesn't oh. necessarily have to be like, related to lord of the rings but just something that like you think other like-minded people would enjoy oh heck that's that's one heck of a question actually um let's see uh okay so if you are a fan of classic literature i am listening to this podcast that has just started up and i am not a part of it so this is just a real i'm listening to it and like it endorsement it's called hit the bricks It's an audio drama set in the world of Wizard of Oz. And it's beautiful, uh, wonderfully voice acted, amazingly sound designed. And there's original music that runs through the entire thing that is so emotionally stirring. Not to mention the story is updated for a new era and deals with some really heavy stuff, but in a really interesting way. I love what I've heard of Hit the Bricks, and I think everybody out there should give it a listen. I'm literally looking this up as we speak. That sounds great. As long as there aren't any flying monkeys, I'm in. Uh, As of episode (laughs) one, there were no flying monkeys, but there were like, what were they? They were wooden gargoyles. Okay, that I can deal with. Okay. Yeah, I was traumatized by the flying monkeys at the age of five. Oh, big same. Yeah, definitely. And the trees too, the scary trees. Oh my gosh, like what the heck? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about is a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBE.org. And might I suggest listening to Sincerely Us, only the greatest podcast out there for casual musical theater fans. Also, they just did an interview with the writer of The Lightning Thief, which is Becca's favorite musical. So make sure to go check that out. And you can also hear more about it now. 
Dear listener, today's going to be a good day, and here's why. Because today, you're about to find your new favorite theater podcast. I'm Becca. And I'm Eni, and we're the host of Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. And when we say casual, we mean casual. We don't know every show in existence, and we don't pretend to. Our show is mostly about how perfect Jeremy Jordan is. And what we would do if we met Lin-Manuel Miranda on the street. I would be unable to move or form words. This is a show for theater nerds, by theater nerds. Every Wednesday on WB&E. Sincerely, us. You're going to have to get used to that shtick. <laughs> we use it every single episode. <laughs> The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group. It's fun times in there. You can find me on Twitter at MCWattsUp and Instagram MCTurnDownForWatt. The sponsor of this week's episode is Johan Gilholt. Oh my gosh, Johan, this is like the second time that I don't know how to say your last name and I'm so sorry for it because you're my wonderful sponsor for this week. I'm going to message you and ask you how to say your last name because I don't know how to do that. Uh, If you want to be a sponsor of an episode and get a shout out like Johan, you can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. So our quote unquote discussion question for this week is if there is a fictional character that you could meet the brother of, what fictional character would you want that to be? Who do you want to meet the brother of? This is an oddly prescient question. <laughs> Theoretically, the better brother, the better half. So right, uh, the, the not not the evil twin brother or whatever, but like, oh, it's this guy's brother, and he's even cooler. Yeah. So wow. um, yeah, but I don't know if you want to provide your answer now, buddy. But you can you can think on that, or you can join in uh, on social media later. So yeah, let me know that. Is it question. cheating to say I want to meet Boromir's brother, Faramir? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, so listeners, share your answer with me on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Discord. There are a variety, a plethora of ways that we can all converse about this. Yeah, let's meet Faramir. (laughs) Um, And then some answers to a previous discussion question was uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked, what characters would you want to travel down a narrow secret tunnel with stairs and then more stairs? Uh, Casey in our Discord said Groot and Rapunzel. I believe there were a couple people who said Rapunzel, theorizing that, well, her hair glows, so that'll be helpful. Right. Yeah, and she seems she seems acrobatically sound, like she's not going to trip and fall down the stairs and take yeah. you with her. Yeah, Cherry Limes on Instagram said Aragorn and Hermione, because I want to make it out. And I was like, that's an A-team right there. Fair enough, yeah. And then Safwood underscore said Dumbledore and Toph. And I was like, that's that's also an A-plus team right there. I think all you need is Toph. Toph is just opening this cavern up and you're out of <laughs> I there. I think that's like, all you need boom. is just Toph. Well, originally when I posed this question, I was like, I think I would take Zuko and Toph because Toph could earthbend us out and Zuko could you know, firebend and light the way. But at the same time, Toph would then finally get her field trip with Zuko. I'm going with Zuko. What? Everyone else went on a life-changing field trip with Zuko. Now it's my turn. With that being said, Buddy, do you have any final parting words for the audience? 
Uh, yeah, well, mostly just for you, MC. Thank you very much for having me on the show again. It was great to come back to the world of Lord of the Rings. Uh, I told you before we started recording, this chapter made me remember why Lord of the Rings is so great and special, and, uh, I'm just glad to have been able to yell about it on the internet for a little while. It's very fun. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you were positive and enthusiastic where I was, where I was not, so... <laughs> And that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.